Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 129 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, on this fine Sunday evening. Join me for, uh, it's been a while since we've done two weeks in a row, Eric. Um, it's Eric Cole, everybody. It's, uh, it's back-to-back appearances. What's going on? Yeah, I think in some cultures we'd be married at this point. It's kind of weird, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, it was, uh, certainly uh, ended on a high note just a few minutes uh, a few minutes ago with the Braves game. So, you know, it's definitely going to be fun. I'm looking forward to hanging out and talking some Braves with you. Yeah, uh, I was listen midweek, and we're gonna th- we're gonna talk about all of this stuff. But midweek, I was prepared for uh, probably the most negative episode we've had in, in a long time um, after the Red Sox series, which did not go well, which we'll talk about. Um, and then they won three out of four from Arizona in weird fashion, is the best way I could put that. Um, I think we talked, you know, we were talking before we started recording. They could have lost all four games in the series. They could have won all four games in the series um, pretty easily on both counts. Uh, They ended up taking three out of four, which is all that really matters in the end. But uh, a lot of things went weirdly this week uh, in a lot of different ways. But uh, I guess the upside is that they're now four and a half games clear of the Phillies in the National League East. And uh, because of that, 538, which is the only uh, system that actually updates in real time, says the Braves have a, now have an 89% chance to win the, the NL East. So uh, all in all, a pretty productive week, even if the uh, beginning of it was ugly. So let's go back to the, to the nasty stuff first, because that's what we do. Um, the sweep against Boston was not pleasing. Uh, Wednesday, I think, Maybe uh, maybe you wouldn't agree, but I argued at the time that it's the worst loss of the season. I don't think it was particularly close. Uh, we can kind of go back and spend as much time or as little time as you want on what happened earlier this week. But the bullpen management, sort of the craziness, the Braves were the first team all season long in, in Major League Baseball to blow a six-run lead in the eighth inning or later. Uh, where were you at like at the end of the day on Wednesday? Because I was in a pretty, pretty dark place. I mean, it certainly didn't feel good because I mean, you go into that, you go into the late part of the game and they're up seven-one, and then you you know end up losing the way you do, but. My feelings on that Red Sox series, and I kind of, I've done really well, like in some situations, particularly this year, where I understand like if you're going against the Red Sox and you get swept, if I like maintain that if you get swept by this team, that does not necessarily mean your team is bad, because the Red Sox have been killing everybody. And I'm, absolutely. Um, so, in that sense, like being swept by them both wasn't like a crazy notion. Uh, just that that particular game was bad because they were they beat up on them and then out of, out of nowhere you know they went wild and and you know basically made victimized the entire bullpen and you know ended up beating us so it's kind of that felt bad but at the same time like I didn't have high expectations about that series regardless uh, I was more my the way my thinking is right now is I'm always like my what are my hopes and my aspirations are are in relations to what the Phillies are doing and they're they've been legitimately terrible so it's kind of one of those things like well we got swept and yeah that kind of feels bad but you know the the Phillies can't beat the Marlins or the Mets so you know it's kind of one of those rather be lucky than good type things you obviously I'd rather than play the team play better and they haven't played particularly well except for maybe the last couple games where we've definitely seen some good stuff 
Um, you know, you go through those rough stretches, and it's kind of they haven't been burned for that. And I didn't have high expectations for that series. And I'm like, okay, well, on this West Coast road trip, they, they do need to at least do something. Uh, and so far, so good there. So it was kind of one of those things where I, I didn't, I wasn't particularly low about it. Uh, obviously, the bullpen being like as really shaky as it has been the last several games uh, doesn't, again, doesn't feel great. But it also doesn't feel like that's something that's going to, I don't, I don't think that's going to be, that is what this bullpen is. And yeah, it sucks that they're not partic- pitching particularly well right now when we're in the middle of a pennant race. But at the same time, like, I just don't think it's something that's going to like linger for weeks and weeks. It just kind of it stinks that it's happening, and we're not getting burned for it because again, we're not really getting chased down by anyone that wants the division. So, overall, like I said, it it, it felt bad, but I wasn't particularly like super low about it. Yeah, I mean, just for reference, there, I think we all kind of know the Phillies have been bad, but to put a point on that, the Phillies are six and fourteen in their last twenty. Um, that is really really bad for a team trying to make the playoffs. Um, and that's allowed the Braves to not play their best baseball, I will say, over this over this period of time. Obviously, they just beat a team on the road that's a playoff caliber team in Arizona, three out of four. So that's that kind of goes without saying. But in, in the big picture, the Braves can certainly play better than they have in recent days. But Phil, Philly's kind of tanked, and that's really been uh, nice, obviously, for yeah, the Braves fans I think I, to be uh, take advantage of that. Go ahead. I think I read that in their last nine series that were like three games or more for the Phillies that they've lost all of them. <laughs> That sounds right. I mean, they've been really bad for a while now. It's not. It's not. It's not like this period of they time where they just go on like a seven-game losing streak. Like six and fourteen is just sort of an arbitrary endpoint. But they were fourteen games over five hundred at that point in time, and since then it's just been an all downhill for them. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen obviously looks like really like gassed. They, they've they've been losing games late, and their offense. I've I've been saying this for you know a month and a half, two months. I've ne- I do not have any faith in that offense to be able to pick that team up when it needs to. And I mean, if Aaron Nola isn't you know lights out for them. You know, and can pitch every day. That I just I don't see how they can win the division. I mean, like as constructed, they're just not very good. So I mean, it's just it is what it is. So again, it feels great for me. Like I just I don't feel particularly threatened by them. Uh, obviously, that you know anything can happen in baseball, and you know a four and a half game lead for the Braves isn't cert- certainly not insurmountable. But I mean, the yeah. way the the way the Phillies are playing right now, I'm just I don't I don't I just don't have that much fear in me about it. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of I can be momentarily frustrated by how the the Braves you know, how things happen in certain in games. But, like, overall, I just feel like the Braves' bad, magic number is 16 right now. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see a world where there's not a combination of Phillies' losses and Braves' wins that doesn't add up to 16 before the end of the season. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously possible. I think I know you know that, and people know that. But especially when you play the, the Phillies six times, at the end of the day, you go out and go one and five against the Phillies, and every possibility opens itself. But if the Braves go out, if the Braves win three, uh, three of the three of the six games against Philly or more, they're in really, really good shape. That's basically all they need to do. Even two and four wouldn't be a disaster. It's like just just don't get annihilated by the Phillies. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of the bar at this point in time. Um, obviously, there are other ways to get there, but uh, there's a reason why 538 uh, has an 89% chance to, to win the NL East. Uh, I think I will check the systems again in the morning when they run. I'm sure all of them, maybe not Fangrass, but most of the other ones will have at least 80% chance of the Braves winning the World, winning the World Series, winning the National League East um, in the morning. So I think it's one of those things where – the assumption has to be the Braves make the playoffs, even if it's uh, obviously common knowledge that there is a way that they can't at this point in time. They're just four and a half games on September 9th into September 10th, which is tomorrow on Monday, is uh, a pretty darn big lead, even if we've all seen things go south in the past. Yeah, I mean, and they just took three or four from a team that was desperate for wins because they were in the middle of a three-way race for the in the, in the NL West that looks completely wide open. So, like, you got you got the very best out of the Diamondbacks, and you, you took three or four from them. That's, that's not nothing. Yeah, it's very nice. And listen, I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no walk in the park. But the Braves now play uh, the next three in San Francisco, and then three against the Nationals. Neither of those teams are particularly um, 
dangerous in my opinion. Uh, obviously, the Giants are a sub 500 team. That's not that's been. Uh, I think they've actually lost. I think it's like eight in a row now, maybe nine in a row. Like they've been a disaster, which is kind of terrifying if you're a Braves fan to see a team that's that bad recently. It's like, oh, you know, they're going to wake up and, against and the Braves. That's a, <laughs> and that's a team that's and that's a team that swept us at SunTrust too. Well, and uh, AT&T Park has not been terribly kind to the Braves in the past. Um, there's no. been some moments there that have not gone very well. But, you know, all things considered, the Braves should be able to go out and at least win uh, one or two of those games um, in, in San Francisco. And then the, and the Nationals ha- still have talent, but that, that's the series that you're back at home over the weekend. And uh, no reason to think the Braves can't go 3-3, three and 4-2, three, and two, something like that, uh, this week and take care of business there. So uh, not a bad spot, uh, all things considered. Um, do you want to go back? Is there anything you want to talk about specifically from this week in terms of just like – Specific, you know, game day stuff. Obviously, Brandon Phillips hitting the home run on Wednesday was really that, that, brutal. That felt, yeah, that one, <laughs> that one felt really bad. Uh, some, some of the decision making, the, the decision making process from Brian Snicker, and we can kind of that can kind Oof. of bleed into the into the into the the Diamondback series too. It's, it's almost like he overcorrects in some ways. Like sometimes, like you're like, yes, this is the bullpen decision you should make, and this is good, and like maybe like. As a result, like for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. You know, like your lefty on lefty matchup. You know, the guy ends up getting a hold of one or whatever. And then, like the next day, he'll be like, "Oh well, I'm just going to leave my starter in there because I can't trust my bullpen to do what needs to be done here." And then, it, it's. Oh, I wish there was some consistency in what the decision making process is because right now it just feels like you know, like we alternate between, "Hey, that's actually probably what they should have done." Like from decision to decision, it's like, "Hey, this is this is the right thing to do." Oh God, what are you doing? Okay, this is right. Oh God, what are you doing? And like that—that—that that is unnerving. Like you know, like leaving like Nukem out there when he was clearly not going to be able to get through that, get through that Red Sox lineup again, or you know, and just like leave either leaving guys out there too long that really need to be pulled in, or like, or like pulling guys without need for it. And it's just it—it's it's hard to grasp what the strategic thinking is, especially when like his stated goal seems to be he has certain arms he wants to preserve, you know, given the circumstances. And then he's, they're not really utilizing the expanded roster very well. I mean, we haven't seen like, you know, we haven't seen Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson or, I mean, Max Freed would have been great today. And instead we, you know, ran out Luke Jackson in a situation where he shouldn't have been in there and he gave up four runs and almost cost us the game. Yeah. I mean, Putting him in that what, that first batter made sense to me. You know, I don't have any problem like bringing him in the game at all. But you don't like run him out there to go against a bunch of lefties who are just going to mash him, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I mean, letting Luke Jackson face four batters today in September with expanded rosters is it's just inexplicable, honestly. Uh, I mean, putting him in, you can kind of litigate that point, um, but allowing him to face four batters there is just inexcusable frankly they, they, they so, didn't even have another guy warmed up I'm like, no that, that was insane i mean i think i think there there are certain things uh i will say even if i disagree with brian snicker or, or any manager i will say there are certain points in which you can you can have a reasonable debate on both sides a lot of the time with bullpen, with bullpen stuff it isn't cut and dry not everything is, is perfect do. even if i disagree it's, it's not perfectly cut and dry all the time and you don't know how like certain guys are feeling or sure. like, there's like minor injury stuff that they're trying to avoid i mean like i get that but i mean like there was there were other arms that should have like one other arm should have been up in that situation yeah. when things started getting squirrely and that's that's what happened and you know then the, it turned into a big inning and i mean fortunately the braves went you know crazy and you know were just launching balls out of the park out of nowhere they got yeah, no hit for innings. five innings and then end up winning nine to four or nine to yeah. five rather <laughs> the ninth inning was uh preposterous obviously the ender the ender shot was maybe the maybe he the hardest ball i've ever seen from him he absolutely murdered that baseball uh which it's pretty hilarious that he was bunting just seconds before that, um, which another Brian Snicker-ism that I uh, can't stand. But, you know, just back to the overall point, it's like 
there again throughout the course of 162 there are decisions that even if i disagree with them i'm not going to yell and scream about them but then there are some where like there is no other side like lulu jackson one, i think falls in that category where i think everyone is kind of on the same page like what is what are you doing that doesn't make any sense um so it's again. I don't want. To, I don't want to spend too much time on managerial stuff. But this was a very frustrating week in that department. Um, and when it quote unquote works, you get the people coming back to tell you that it worked. And it's like, well, no, it didn't actually. It just got. Yeah, it's, it's not lucky. like Snicker went up to you know Ender Camargo and Duda today. He's like, hey, I need you guys to hit three home runs. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, that's the only well, way, well, they, well, the they only won way the game, happens. guys. I'm like, okay, they won the game. I understand that, but. The, the manager the management of this game was very bad especially i'm talking about sunday only wednesday was the same way tuesday was another the tuesday spot you mentioned with sean newcomb there were three or four games this week that i thought were objectively managed quite poorly um and the braves happened to win i think two of those four uh so which is fine i mean today is a perfect example i think that game was managed very poorly but when you have an, an absolute outburst you score six runs in the ninth inning that's not really being well managed that won you that baseball game <laughs> yeah, it means you have some good baseball players on your team that never quit playing. Now, there is an argument that because they love Snickers so much, they kind of have that yep. attitude. So that kind of gets back to the tactically it wasn't the right decision, but at the same time, like the players on this roster will run through the wall, run through walls for him. It's true. I mean, and, th- and that does matter. I mean, again, I don't know how much that actually adds to performance, but I certainly don't think it's a negative. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, also of note, we did have a uh, new addition to the Braves uh, go deep, uh, and we had not talked about him last week. Yeah, why is that? No, I'm I'm kidding. I made fun of myself on Twitter about this, uh, but yeah, I got we got through the whole podcast last week. Uh, about 20 minutes after I posted the show, it hit me that I hadn't asked you about Lucas Duda um, at all, which was hilarious because he was probably the biggest transaction that happened last week. We just ran through a lot of other things, uh, you know, roster expansion, all that fun stuff. It's like, oh yeah, Lucas Duda is a guy that we should talk about, and then of course he homered today to sort of drive that point home. So. What was your reaction to adding him? I think that was probably something that everybody kind of liked because he does one thing very, very, very well, and that's it, right-handed pitching, which the Braves yep. need. Um, and then we kind of showed that today with a home run. Yeah, I mean, like in a pinch, he could, you know, like if, you know, if, if Freddie needs days off, and he got, he actually got one of those the other day. Oh, he's you know, certainly that, he's certainly the best backup first baseman they've had in a long, long time. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I guess he, I guess, he, I guess he, Matt Adams last year was technically the backup first baseman, so I, maybe I'm wrong about that. But yeah, I mean, and I, I think that Matt Adams was better than Duda, but Duda, I, I agree. Duda's, but Freddie was playing first base at that point. Uh, Matt, Matt Adams was I'm sorry was playing third base at that point. If, you, if people, forgot uh, that, this is this is fair. This is true. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, was I mean, wrong. and Matt Adams is you know like you know a backup outfielder at times. Uh, I really am glad that that experiment didn't last very long Ooh, they, oh uh, man he was really bad at doing that we should not talk about that anymore but yes he was bad at that <laughs> um, i mean look uh, he's a ben- he's a lefty off the bench that has real upside that like when he comes to the plate something good could, something really good could feasibly happen is he like an everyday player anymore probably not i mean he's just not particularly good but at the same he's time like that yeah he's just not he's just he's 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 a good bench bat and that th- those are the kinds of players that the braves need when you, you don't want to run running out you know ryan flaherty in high leverage pinch hitting situations i have no problems at all running lucas duda out there the, is the result always going to be great no but you know there's gonna be times like this where you know you need a guy who can actually drive in runs and you know potentially you know make something happen in an inning and he did so i mean is he like i said i'm not i don't like have like super high expectations he's gonna hit like eight home runs the rest of the year or anything no. like that but he was just – they just got him for nothing. Like, they just claimed him, and he was – And, you know, I mean, I was saying this at the time, but 
I think he's pretty much the best you could have rationally expected the Braves to add oh, off yeah. the bench as a pure bench player. I've, as you mentioned, Dude, Dude is not this great, you know, starter level player necessarily anymore, but he is, you know, you know, career like 130 WRC plus against right-handed pitching. He's a little bit on the older side, probably isn't quite that player anymore, but I think um, he's certainly now the best pinch hitting left-handed bat on the roster by a wide margin and the best guy against right-handed pitching off the bench. Obviously, you have the backup catcher, whoever that may be, between Flowers and Suzuki against lefties, and I guess if Adam Duvall wakes up at some point, you know, he'll be available too. But I guess right-handed pitching in the playoffs or whatever in a big spot, Duda is the guy to go to. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I mean, Preston Tucker, Tucker exists, but yeah. He does, not... but Duda is better. It's just what it is. Like, he's flying yeah, better than... I, I, Tucker's, I Tucker's better than Ryan Flaherty and some of the other options that the Braves have had in recent days in that spot. But uh, Duda is just a cut above all the other options against right-handed pitching, I think. I agree. I couldn't agree more. And it's it's hilarious that Preston Tucker's role on this team is like to like stand in the batter's box to have the other team bring their righty in or or to bring their lefty in. So Listen, they- when you have thirty five, what is it, thirty six, whatever, whatever the roster's at right now, when you have up to forty guys on the roster, you can be you can be a specialist. Like yeah, professional Adams is basically just pinch running and playing defense. That's his entire role right now, and it's like that's what you should happen in September. I kind of hate roster expansion, but with the rules the way they are. It's the same thing with the way that you handle pitching staff. Going back to Snicker briefly, it's like the rules allow you to have all these extra pitchers. You have all these guys in the bullpen. Why don't you use them? Like me using like, me hearing some uh, an, an, an excuse like four or five guys in the bullpen are tired is insane right now. You have how many bullpen guys do you have? You have a million. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't even, happen. Even it, like in that's like for example when like Luke Jackson was in the game today, and let's assume that. You know, like didn't really want to touch Venters and and Minter because of pitching so much recently. Which, and by the way, the, is also the manager's fault. But anyway, well, sorry. I agree. What's we we will move past that, right? Like you, <laughs> yes. you and I are on the same page in that regard, right? But even if that's true, why would you not put another another pitcher that is clearly better served and like has has a a chance of actually doing well versus Luke Jackson, who has been legitimately terrible for like his last like 10 appearances. Yeah. DOB posted his numbers. I forgot. I don't have them in front of me, but it was, it's like a five, seven ERA and some really, really bad peripherals. And it's like, this is the guy you chose in a high leverage situation. And I, I mean, again, bring him one into of the that matter, of, but if it doesn't work out, you need right. to move on to somebody else. You need one to have of the luxuries. Else yeah. One of the luxuries of September is that you can, you can go crazy with one batter, uh, one batter substitutions in terms of your pitching staff, like you could you can play the matchups to the to the nth degree in September with very little consequence because you have all these arms. And I know it was relatively unless, early unless in you're the game, Gabe but, Kapler when you've like literally run every armor in your organization. Well, sure. I mean, it is what it. I mean, there's some sort of limit to it, obviously. But uh, <laughs> and, and I know it was fairly early in the game, but that's a high leverage spot. I think one of the things that drives me the most crazy is that you can have the highest leverage ch- pl- uh, placement of the game. In the sixth inning or the fifth inning, that can happen. Um, if if you're in a spot where you're where you're leading and the other team has two run, has two runners on in the fifth, that might be the biggest spot of the entire game, and you need to have someone who's up to that task. Just because it's not the ninth inning or the eighth inning doesn't mean that it's not a high leverage chance. So that's one of the things that just has to be there. But yeah, the overall point about using the roster. Uh, with Lucas Duda and Late Adams and whoever else you want to talk about, um, having Tuki having Tuki run uh, the other night was pretty funny. Um, yeah. it's like he was really he was really good today too. 
Oh no, yeah, he was. We should we should at least briefly talk about him uh, because obviously there isn't that many sample size points for Tukey in the majors. I didn't see a lot of the early innings today, so I'm going to defer to you on how he actually looked. But the numbers looked fine, and I heard good things, and uh, what I saw looked good. I mean, it's it's, it's Tukey. I expect nothing less from him. He's very very talented, but uh, just seeing him kind of being in the rotation full stop right now. I mean, they're in the, they're in the six man rotation, which is probably for the best in September. And we actually got a question or two about whether they should be doing that or not, and I, I would say probably yes. But um, what'd you make of Tukey and that whole rotation thing right now? This is we're on the topic. I mean, the his curveball looked great. Uh, com- command was a little bit off. It, it, it was kind of one of those things where he had like, if you look at his line, he definitely walked too many guys, but he wasn't missing by a lot. He wasn't like you I mean like he, and it was kind of like you you walk like the Goldschmidt's of the world. Like you don't really feel too bad about that. Uh, and for whatever reason, Nick Ahmed, the uh, former Braves prospect that is now playing shortstop for the Diamondbacks, the Braves have been able to get him out all series, and he's walked a whole ton of months. So I don't really know. I'm not sure if the scouting report's wrong on that guy or, you know, like you if you get him to try to pitch, you know, chase pitches outside. But he wasn't having any of it and he was just taking free, you know, taking free bases at will. So, again, like you would have liked the walks to go down. Yeah, but I mean, the stuff just he still looks great, you know, and it's it's one of the things about how stats and at least traditional counting stats work in baseball is like charging those two earned runs to Tukey just it does not feel right when clearly those all belong to Luke Jackson because he could not record an out, out out in that game and all he needed to get was one and they'd be out of the inning so I mean but I, overall I think he looked great and you know I he's one of those guys that seeing him this year and kind of going from you know really great raw stuff that like he didn't really have a handle on to now like being a pitcher and you know, clearly has a plan and like works all works both sides of the plate. You know, isn't and is never afraid when he's on the mound. Like he he looked good. Uh, the only thing is just the pitch count because of the walks and that's pitch count. You know, he got climbed up towards a hundred there in the last inning and you know didn't he didn't get bailed out by the bullpen, but overall he looked really good. Yep, and uh, not not surprising. Obviously, that Tukey would look good because he's a he's kind of a monster. We got a few questions about the uh, you know every week that for the last few you know I guess three four five weeks now we've gotten questions about the about the playoff rotation and my answer does change every so often. Um, Sean Newcomb has been really bad for the for a while now. Um, he was okay actually this this week except for until he got to the third time through the order. Um, what would your answer be at this moment? Uh, I know it's it's subject to change, but if you have to pick four guys in a playoff series right now, who are your four guys you're taking? I mean, if it's me taking them or who I think is going to be in it. <laughs> no, I'm asking who would you take. I think I okay. think I the answer will be different as to who they take, but who who would you take? Your who, who would your four uh, guys be? And by so, the way, I think it's a definitive. You need you need a definitive three, and and then your fourth you may or may not use. That's kind of how it works in the playoffs. Um, so right, worth, worth uh, noting that as well. Fulte and Gaussman for sure are locks. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, after that, it gets tricky, man. Because <laughs> that's why like, I asked Eric. Be, no, no. I mean, I mean, Julio has legitimately pitched better lately. He really has. Like, it's not. It's it's always dicey because he's like because his stuff is diminished. He's like he nibbles on the corners, and if he gets those strike calls, he can end up having really good games. And if he doesn't, he has these games where like you know like he always has base runners on, and like he has to kind of like work his way out of trouble. Um, I'd put Tuki in. I really would. I mean, his stuff is so good that it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, I, I, my answer is probably Tukey and Annabal, uh, but I th- yeah, I mean, I definitely would side with Tukey if it, provided he does what he what he's done recently the rest of the way in September. I think his upside is just so much higher, and because you have your starter on, on a short leash in the playoffs yeah. anyway, he my, gives you just so much more upside. Yeah, um, I mean, like if. I have no problems with someone that argues that Nukem Nukem over Anibal. I mean, again, for a four-man rotation, 
Um, Mike, because because Nukem did have like a legitimately very good first half. I just worry that one like he's he seems like he's a bit gassed, like his his stuff doesn't have quite the same bite it usually does. The walks are back up too. Yeah, the walks are climbing up, and like with him, it's never been a mechanical issue or a physical issue. He always when he struggled in the minors, even it always felt like a mental issue. It's like when things got bad, they got really bad, and he's been like had a protracted stretch lately where he has not been very good. Like you, you kind of I for a playoff series for me, like he's just not he's just not there yet. And that that's what that's what has me worried. So, but again, if someone wanted to put Nukem in over Anibal in in like some pro, you know, some sort of you know projected playoff rotation, I'm not going to argue about it. But like as of right now, that's kind of where my head is. But like the Braves have a lot of really good arms. Yeah, it's so. very uh, very fluid. Can, I, I, go ahead. Well, no, it's just kind of one of those you can play matchups a bit with it. You can you know if you if you have a, like a particularly good lefty or a particularly good righty that kind of matches up well with the lineup, I I I, I can respect that decision. I'm There's just not also, necessarily. Yeah, there's also, I mean, you could also pair guys and, like, yeah. because you have Max Free too, you could, like, carry long and, you know, basically carry two long men and kind of, like, plan to have three innings of work from two different guys in the same game kind of thing. Um, with, it, because basically you have six starters plus Max Freed right now that are available to you. Plus, you have, obviously, you have Wright and uh, Bryce Wilson as well if you want to do that, but they're probably not going to be in that kind of role. But you have six or seven guys you could carry and kind of pair together after if you wanted to do that kind of after Fulte and Gosman you could probably do that as well so uh, I doubt that Snicker will be that creative frankly just based on his profile as a manager but maybe he'll surprise me I don't know um, it'd be a good problem to have regardless uh, I, I do want to ask you a little bit more about Julio because we had a question about that from Ryan Hutchins and he asked uh, well basically can we get Julio a little bit of love because ever since the first bad start after the all-star break he's been very consistent and I pulled the numbers he has a 2.92 ERA over the last eight starts his walks are still too high for me about 3.7 per nine but that's actually much better than they were earlier in the season and his ERA for the for the full year is now under four albeit um, that's a little bit misleading because the peripherals are not very good but for whatever reason Julio I feel like every time he pitches recently he works himself into three or four jams in a single start and then gets off the hook in two or three of them and that allows you kind of pitch within the margins even if he doesn't look great the numbers have been pretty good for a while now yeah and he's had a couple actually like like legitimately good starts too like it's just kind of one of those things where like he he's kind of like Anibal in the sense that like you know because of the diminished stuff like he has to he can't like like the middle of the zone, he does, he no longer has the stuff either in movement or velocity to live there. So now it's all location, and it's you know when the slider's good and you know he can have some really good starts. But I'm hopeful that this six man rotation is good for him, and this, like that that extra rest will allow him to find at least another gear to like put together some good starts down the line uh, in the in the playoffs. Because when Julio is good. He is incredibly hard to square up, and like can go, can like can like preserve a bullpen for a playoff run. You know what I mean? Like he he can put together seven or eight innings because he can be very efficient. Now, unfortunately, what has happened more often than not this year is that there's walks, and that those those lengthen those you know lengthen those innings and kind of make it a little harder for him to do that. And he's been kind of a magician in trying to get out of those. But I don't necessarily am like super enthusiastic about a junk baller who has trouble with walks. Uh, trying to like you know be like pitch important games down the stretch, but I also respect the fact that like he, it's been a, like a decent sized stretch now where he's kind of made this work. So yeah, I mean he, he definitely deserves some love, no question about that. I mean he's definitely been pitching better, uh, and the Braves have needed him to because you know it's been kind of it's been kind of rough lately 
in the sense that you know it, not, a lot of these wins have never haven't felt clean. You know, it's not like they jumped all over anybody and like you know beat them soundly start to finish. Uh, a lot of comeback wins and like you know kind of like weird little ugly wins mixed in there too. But you know overall like he absolutely has been like a, a positive on this Braves team, uh, which wasn't necessarily the case at times in the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's always worth acknowledging that even if I don't, I don't believe he has been as good of a pitcher as the numbers most recently and for the full season actually indicate he's had some positive luck, but listen, sometimes that happens over full season even. So Julio is, might be due for it too. There's been times where he's been pretty, pretty unlucky in the past. So uh, yeah, I think Julio has been a, um, an asset recently, even if it's not something that I necessarily believe moving forward. Uh, it's good to have that because the Braves have needed it, as you mentioned. Uh, one more starting pitcher thing, and that's a little bit of appreciation from Mike fulton We talked about him a lot this year, but I uh, got a couple questions about that. And just the fact that he's been so, so good for so long now. He's, he, he has a top eight uh, Fangraphs war among nationally starting pitchers. He's been a legitimate ace-level pitcher this year. 2.75 ERA, I believe is third in the National League right now. Um, the peripherals aren't quite that good, but you know he's striking out a lot of guys, not walking too many. And uh, his last start against Boston, he was actually he was absolutely tremendous against the top flight lineup. So, what do you make of Fulty? I think it's pretty obvious to say that he's been the pitch, best pitcher on the team this season. But you know he might be nearing that sort of ace status that I never thought he probably would reach, and he's, he seems to be sort of edging that way. I mean, when you're striking off ten batters like per nine innings, I mean that that's going to put you in like a, a really good spot. You know what I mean? And he, it kind we kind of forget. Because he like he seemingly only go five or six innings, like we kind of forget how good he is. But he like always strikes out a bunch of batters. My my only my only bugbear with him is just like he, he's not a particularly efficient pitcher. Uh, even when he's like getting strikeouts and not walking guys, like the walks are you know kind of right there on the line of being a little too dangerous. But you know even when his strikeouts, a lot of those counts like he'll get ahead o two and then the work full counts and like there'll be these long at bats. And I wish that he was a little bit better about putting guys away. But I mean on the whole though, like. What, what can you say? You know, he's he's a big he's a big time arm, and when he is on, he is unhittable. Uh, even when he's not on, he's still like he'll always have at least one of his pitches working, and he can generally make things work. Um, and they've they've done a pretty good job of limiting his innings too. You know, like you know he'll you know he's he had to like miss one start I think, and you know he's I don't th- in terms of like how many pitch he's not throwing a bunch of 120 pitch outings and things like that. So you know between that and the, the six man rotation, I I. I I feel good about him going against the playoffs for sure. Like you can match him up against like their, another team's top pitcher and you won't feel like you're out of the game. Yeah, he's been uh, very, very good. So at least wanted to say that out loud one more time. Um, all right, let's talk about the bullpen in a little bit. Obviously, we mentioned it earlier about how bad it's been in the recent past. You have a couple of numbers on that. Um, originally, I will say when I got this question earlier in the week, I was thinking about talking about the bullpen. Part of my thesis was that actually the bullpen's a little bit, a little bit better than people have thought it was, and then. Uh, the wheels came off this week, and now the numbers look a little bit worse. But, I mean, basically, when I put out two, when I put out the bailback call this week, we got two major questions. One of which was one we're gonna get to later on in the podcast, and the other one was why is the bullpen so bad? Um, and most of those were like sarcastic or just you know people 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 venting. But obviously, it's been a, a big theme this week. So, how bad or how not bad is the bullpen actually? Because recently, we kind of can all agree it's been bad. But big picture wise, like where do they kind of stack up? I just have a tough time believing that, like, all of, like, you know, A.J. Minter's struggles, Jesse Biddle's struggles, Dan Winkler's struggles, all these guys who have been so good all year have just all of a sudden turned into awful pitchers. I just, I mean, like, I, I have my issues with guys like Luke Jackson and Sam Freeman uh, still, like, being run out there and in high leverage situations because they have a kind of a history, even, like, this entire year of being a little bit sketchy at times. 
But I mean, the the, the other guys, it's it's a bit of a rough stretch. I think that when I looked at it earlier, when I was talking to you about it, like the Braves, if for the month of September, the Braves bullpen has been like. 28th out of 30 teams in terms of being bad i think only behind the cardinals and the nationals uh in terms of like in terms of war by for a team's bullpen this month which again is really bad but for the year they're right there in the middle which is kind of where i would have expected them they're they do they do there's definitely some things about the peripherals you know with the walks and stuff that we've seen this year that kind of make you go but at the same time like they're not nearly as bad as they have been lately and you know is is it a fatigue thing, and you know how can you manage that? That's get, that gets a little tricky. Uh, but with expanded rosters, you'd think they'd be able to manage that some. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, but beyond that, I mean, they're just not that bad. Don't 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 go in thinking that this is going to be a, a open that's going to be shut down. You know, seven, eighth, and ninth innings are just they're they're done deals. If you get a lead to there, you're good. But they're they're better than what they have been, and that's just kind of my general feeling on it, I guess. I, I tend to agree, and I mean, even if you every bullpen comes comes and goes a little bit, with exception of, of a couple that are just absolutely elite. The Braves are not that, to be sure. But I think there's this notion among some fans that the Braves have this like objectively terrible bullpen, and they don't have that. It's been bad recently. There's no question about that. But I think you know, if you look at the numbers before this downturn, it was somewhere in the middle of the pack, maybe even a little bit better than that. You know, you see most of the most of the stats that you would care about are somewhere between you know twelfth and sixteenth or twelfth and seventeenth among uh, major league staffs, and th- that's not great by any means. And I do understand that there's a lack of like this like uber dominant closer in this bullpen, which people like to do, especially more traditional fans want to just have this closer. They long for the days of Craig Kimbrell, and obviously, it'd be nice to have Craig Kimbrell around. Um, but at the same time. This is not a bad bullpen. Like, and if they were managed a little bit better, it'd probably be a little bit better as well. It's not a great bull. It's not a good bullpen either. It's one of those things where it's like kind of just mediocre, and that's not great in the playoffs, especially when you're going to need these guys. But if you shorten it up a little bit, use the guys that you should use more often. Maybe not, maybe not more often, but just more appropriately. It's uh, it should also it also should help a little bit. So I think. In general, it's not a, it's not an asset to the Braves right now, um, but it's not this like terrible black hole either. Even if it has been the last I don't know week, yeah, week week to ten days something plus. like that. They've, yeah. yeah, they've been they've, they've definitely been struggling, and I mean like I don't want to diminish that. I mean like the, the, there's no they have been. There that. is no question about that. Even yeah, men, I mean even guys who I objectively kind of trust, like I think Mentor's good. Uh, he's not been great this year by any means, but. Even him, even recently, like it's hard to be comfortable with really anybody at the moment. Like, is there anybody that, like, in the last week you felt good about on the mound? Because not, I mean, Sabatka's looked pretty good. Yeah, he's got a nice arm. I, I kind of enjoy him. I, that was I, that was frankly not a guy that I was super familiar with before he arrived in Atlanta, but he uh, makes me uh, intrigued. He, I like him. He, he's kind of well. He's he's not a guy I've liked a whole lot, and it's solely because like I we knew he threw hard. Yeah. But there was a lot of like Mauricio Cabrera in him. You know what I mean? Like, you know, kind of like the, the the command wasn't there. And like he had games in the minors where like, you know, it would be like three walks and like would give up, you know, a two run single to give up the game type stuff before this year. This past year, uh, he looked like he progressed through the minors and seemed like he had figured some things out. I mean, and he has a live arm. I mean, if he can, if he can, if you can command 98, 99, then yeah, you're going to be a really good reliever. Um, and it's just, it's hard. It was hard for me. It's hard for me to think that's going to be something that's sustainable, but I mean, he's looked, he's looked good. So I have I mean, I have no issues when he's out there. I'm not like, okay, well, this is going to turn into a disaster. Um, there's a couple of relievers that I think that, and then there's like a few others that I'm a little surprised that have struggled as much as they have. Um, but again, several of those guys got days off today. Um, and hopefully that they, you know, going into the giant series, you won't necessarily need to, you know, run them out there as much. 
for sure. sure. And, um, you know, it's probably enough bullpen talk for one podcast, even though if I, we could probably do more on that, but I, I what's not? Uh, <laughs> one, one, one quick uh, news item before we get to the mailbag, rest of the mailbag questions, wrap this thing up, is that Dustin Peterson is no longer a member of the Atlanta Braves, the 23-year-old outfielder was uh, DFA'd and then claimed by the Tigers. So uh, RIP to Dustin Peterson era. Obviously, I'm going to ask Scott about this because that's been Scott, Scott's guy forever. But were you bothered by this? I, I, there were some, some people that were really kind of upset about it because they thought that there were other options that should be DFA'd. But Peterson, I think, in the recent past, has kind of felt clear that he wasn't part of the plan, honestly. So I wasn't too surprised by it. But what was your reaction when you saw that he was DFA'd? Uh, I, I thought that there was a, a decent chance that he would get claimed. But I'm just, I, I've never been the guy that's super high on Dustin Peterson. I just didn't think he ever had a carrying tool. And I just don't see any world where he, like, cracks this roster anytime soon. Like, he, he doesn't really have the bat to profile as, like, a bench bat that, like, makes you, like, super excited. Um, and is it, defensively, he's okay. You know, he's kind of one of those just kind of like, – he's, he's an okay player. And that might be his ceiling in the majors. You know what I mean? As, like, a, as an okay guy on a bad team. But, you know – I mean, and for the Tigers, I totally get it. You know, that's a that's a rebuilding team that you know, like, hey, this is a guy that you know has some talent and has done some things well in the in their minor leagues. But you know, the lingering risk stuff with him, you know, after getting hit by that pitch, I mean, he would have probably would have made the roster last year for the Braves, but then he you know got that that injury, and then the power just kind of disappeared from his game. And this year, power started coming back a little bit, but then like he had he missed some time because of the same wrist was bothering him. I mean, does it does it sink to lose a guy like that to waivers? Yes, is there other options on the roster that I would have DFA'd over him? Sure, but it's also kind of one of those things where I don't feel particularly strongly about him moving on. I, I think it's good for him. I think he'll get more of an opportunity with the Tigers, and who knows, maybe he'll be able to figure things out. But and you know, he'll get that strength back and he'll play more in games. But he wasn't—he was never a guy that I was like super like not since he was like in high A that I was like super excited about because again, it's just kind of one of those I didn't really see him having one of those carrying tools that made you think that you know he was going to be able to be a particularly productive major winger. Yeah, I'll defer to you on the on the, on the evaluation. Uh, I will say I would have rather kept him than a couple of guys that they have, but that's sure. not a huge not, not a huge point of like, attention for me. I was okay with what they did uh, in the grand scheme of things. All right, two mailbag questions before we get out of here. One comes from Josh W., and he says, more likely offseason reunion, Craig Kimbrell or Brian McCann to platoon with Tyler Flowers? And uh, I – you know, I, w- I have two ways of thinking about this. More likely is one question, and then like, which one would you rather have in a reasonable world? Is the other. Um, so I guess I'll just ask you first. Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll save my answer for a second. More likely. That, that was the way I, the question I, was asked. Yeah. More likely. I, I have think, trouble. I, 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 have I, trouble. I think it's McCann. Yeah, I think it's McCann too. Just because I just don't see. I, I think that the Braves would love to have Kimbrel. I think that the amount what they're going to be doing with their payroll, I don't know if they necessarily want to sink that much money, uh, unless, unless Kimberl is like, hey, you know, I'll I'll sign for you know not a crazy amount of money, which he's not uh, going to do. Yeah, he's that that's the thing. Like he he wants th- this is going to be his last big paycheck. It, it, that's just fact. And you know, as much as he would love to, for that to be with the Braves, I'm sure it's it, he's going to have half the league bidding for him. And if someone's going to pay him, you know, crazy money to be their closer. Uh, for the rest of his career or whatever, you know, like more power to him. I just don't see that happening because um, I just don't see the Braves putting that much of what resources they're going to have into Kimbrel. I think they're they're, they're going to be going after some pretty big fish this offseason. I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily think that's going to happen with Kimbrel. So I by default, I guess that means that, that McCann is more likely. Uh, but I, I mean, McCann's going to have his fair share of suitors, too, because he kind of has that, you know, clubhouse leader, you know, super, really super good at managing a pitching staff thing going for him. So. 
you know, whether or not that works out, this is kind of a different thing altogether. Yeah, I don't think either of these are likely to happen, honestly. Um, I do think McCann is more likely for all the reasons that you said. Uh, Kimbrell, I, we, we mentioned him earlier, uh, it'd be great to have a lockdown closer. I think every team wants that. Um, with that said, I am not in the camp of someone who would want to pay what it will, what it will cost to acquire K- Craig Kimbrell, um, only because... Obviously, if you thought you were going to get the Kimbrel for the entire body of the contract that he is right at this moment, you would do that because he's worth that kind of investment. But he's already—he's now—he's now thirty. He isn't—I um, mean, he's still very, very good, but he is not quite the guy he used to be, uh, especially this year. I think you know he was awesome in twenty seventeen with the uh, with the Red Sox. He had a sub one fifty whip. I mean, sorry, one fifty FIP on the season. He was incredible. He's like a three and a half win player as as a closer, which is insane. But this yeah. year, it's it's more like he's been really, really good, but not like uber duber elite his walks rates back up again and it's not been the best i just wouldn't give a guy at 30 multiple years as a closer with big money it's just not something that i would ever do um so that's just that's me maybe, maybe the braves would be willing to do that and i, I don't, and then we'll just be wrong but uh i think neither is likely mccann as a cheap low-cost left-handed hitting platoon catcher would not be stunning for me because he actually is the profile of someone who might take like no money and come back because he uh, he's from he's literally from Atlanta. He went to Duluth High School. He's from the area. He he, he hits left-handed. He's not very good anymore, frankly. Um, yeah, but, and, he, and he's had a lot of injuries this year. I just don't know if he can catch anymore. That's more of my biggest. Yeah, that that, sure I agreed. that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That that's really the thing. I, he's probably more of an American League guy at this moment because he can he can sort of platoon and kind of be a weird DH candidate too. He's not very good. That's that's the thing. I, I love Brian McCann. He was awesome for a long time. He's now what, almost thirty-five. Like it's probably almost over for Brian McCann. Maybe if the Braves wanted to, like, maybe if the Braves strike out on their big um, thoughts at catcher, and they just want to say, "All right, Flowers will be our starter and play sixty-five percent of the time." Maybe McCann makes sense. Is that like pure backup, play twice a week guy at, who's left-handed? That might make some sense, but I think neither of those is likely to happen, frankly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of with you. You hear a lot of whispers about like Kimbrel coming back just because like. I'm I mean, sure it makes sense the, because the Braves have money and they don't have and they don't have a closer. I get why he's linked to the Braves. I, I understand it. I mean, I just I just personally wouldn't pay the money, and I can't imagine Anthopolis's like number one priority is going to be to hand Craig Kimbrell a bucket of cash for four years as a thirty year old relief pitcher. It's just not a not a profile of value that he would make. I don't know. It wouldn't make a ton of sense to me, frankly. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. Turn one of the uh, turn one of the uh, Uber starters into a closer and not go from there. Um, anyway, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, all right, last one uh, comes from Matt Powell, and uh, frankly, we got we got this question from a lot of different people this week. Um, he says, "Could Yo- could Johan Camargo push Austin Riley to a corner outfield spot next year?" Um, and this is assuming that Dansby Swanson plays well to stay at, at shortstop. So we got a lot of the question of basically what happens with Austin Riley now that Camargo has been so so good at third base because I think a lot of people just were expecting Riley to be the guy in 2019 at third base, and Camargo has been so good that uh, that might change some plans. So. Uh, you're the prospect guy. Can Austin Riley play? I guess there's a lot of questions. Can he play corner outfield? Would you want him to play corner outfield? And uh, is Camargo just the third baseman now for forevermore? I don't think it would be. There's a lot of moving parts to this, right? Because That's why it's such like, an interesting question. Yeah, it's <laughs> At this point, I don't think that Ender is going anywhere. I don't think. Just because like you already kind of, you've already signed into this extension, and he's so good defensively out there. I don't necessarily think Marcakis is coming back because I think that him coming back to Earth a bit towards the, at the end of this year uh, with whatever you know voodoo curse or you know 
gift that Ryan Flaherty, his brother, his brother-in-law, gives him when he's on the roster. I don't know if that necessarily makes the the push to uh, extend him as as strong now, um, which would mean like Acuna in right and Ender in center, which means there's a spot in left field, and I mean, assuming all those things happen, right? And in left field, I mean, like Austin could do it, but I felt like if they were kind of if they felt that strongly about both keep, keeping both of these guys, regardless of the situation, Camargo at third, um, and then with Austin, I felt like Austin probably would have gotten a little bit of time in the, the outfield, or they would have sent him to the Arizona Fall League and had him play outfield out there. I don't know that necessarily happens. I still like Camargo. I mean, like I, I've I've said this point, you know, to death is like I kind of like him as like a Martin Prado, you know. You know, or any number of Cubs players type players where you get a bunch of starts at a bunch of different positions, give guys breaks and play matchups with him. Because um, I, I don't think he's as good as he is right now, uh, but I do think he is like he's a major league baseball player and a valuable one. So obviously, I don't think the Braves should give. I don't think the Braves should get rid of him. Um, which raises some interesting questions. Like one, what do, exactly do you do? Do you go to one of those rosters that has a lot of flexible pieces where you can you know give a lot of guys a lot of playing time, or it, does that make an Austin Riley more expendable for what is going to be a very – everyone needs to brace themselves right now. This offseason is going to be a busy one because the Braves are going to be linked to everybody. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make a make a play for a million guys because they – honestly, that a lot of the holes – a lot of the roster spots, are, they're going to be pretty well set. Um, and, you know, there's other decisions like, you know, Dansby's been playing better lately. He, he absolutely has been. Uh, he, he saved the game the other night against – against Arizona and he's been, you know, he's been doing pretty good at the reasonably well at the plate anyway. Um, and has been still been playing really great defense. I mean, he's going to be like a two win two. I mean, he's already at 1.8 wins uh, on fan graphs as of right now. He'll be, a, he'll be about a two win player this year with, and if you, I mean, given where his offense has been um, as bad as it's been for quite, uh, quite a bit of the season, that's not terribly, that's not terribly bad. It's, that's not someone no. that you have to punt on immediately. You know what I mean? No, exactly. I mean, if, if the Braves like found themselves in a situation where like they could trade Dansby to like make a big upgrade at shortstop, which is like sure. a pretty, a, a relatively short list of baseball players at this point to actually, that would be reasonable. Um, but honestly, like I don't think it's crazy to assume that Camargo is going to get a lot of playing time at third next year, which raises the question of how expendable Austin Riley is on the trade market. Well, that's uh, yeah. That's the other thing yeah. about this that I wanted to ask you because almost separately is like about Riley's trade value. But before we get off of the other the guys who are sort of established, I mean Camargo. If you think that this is Camargo, like the real Camargo, this he's year he's the third baseman. He's yeah. the third baseman because he's a three one player. Like his current WRC plus is one twenty three. Uh, I think his defense is like I guess a little bit overrated by some fans, but he's certainly a a pretty good fielding third baseman. Um, with, and, without, and it has upside because, like, he, he his arm is legitimately very good. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a monster it's, arm for sure. I mean, that's kind of without question at this point. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like he doesn't really fit the profile of a third baseman, right? Like, he's not the power hitting third baseman, but I don't know if you necessarily need that guy either. But his power's um, been better. That, that's that's part of what I'm saying is like, you know, since the since the break, he has a 906 OPS. Yep. I mean, 123 WRC plus that kind of is all you could ever ask for, and. That's the thing. I don't necessarily think this is, this is the new normal for Camargo, but I've already been wrong on him. I thought he was not capable of what he's done this year. Um, whether he can repeat it is another question entirely, but kind of the the starting point for all this discussion is, does Alex Anthopoulos believe that Johan Camargo is this player? If he thinks that this is a normal for Camargo, then he's going to be the third baseman, I'm barring, barring a weird trade. If not, 
I mean, you mentioned the idea, and this is something that we've talked about a million times, of kind of having this very flexible, versatile roster. I think that's a nice idea and something that I've championed for a long time. But if they're going to have, if they're going to be managed by Brian Snicker, it's not going to happen. He's not capable of that. Um, we've seen that over and over again. Like I, you, you look, you look at the Cubs roster right now. The Cubs have like 13 starters on their yep. team. Like their entire bench is guys who should be starting somewhere in the league, and they because they have a manager that knows how to use these guys. They can they can mix and match and do all this all this creative, really smart, intuitive, mathematical stuff that the Braves aren't going to do if they have Bryce Snicker managing the team. So you have all that combined, and you know if Anthopoulos believes in Camargo, he's probably going to stay there. And for me, it's kind of funny because I've always been lower on Camargo than everybody else. Um, maybe not everybody else, but a lot of other people. But obviously, he's been really good this year. And But the other side of this is that I'm always lower on prospects, um, especially like non-Uber elite prospects, which means Austin Riley, like I fully understand the guy is very, very talented. But until I see someone produce, I'm not moving a guy off a of position um, for Austin Riley. Like if, if, if they believe Camargo is a solid starting third baseman, He's not moving for Austin Riley. Like that's that's where I would be with it at least. I mean, Austin Riley is not Ronald Acuna for better or worse. Like he's not that kind of prospect. Am I wrong about that? Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I mean, I mean, Austin's probably like a top fifty prospect in baseball right sure. now. Sure, like he can that, really hit. Obviously. But, but but I mean, but Ronald Acuna was like the top prospect in baseball. <laughs> so it's that's kind of, what I'm saying. Like it's it's, 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 it's very different. I, better, I understand you better, what you're you better, trying to you say. Better be, you better be really you better be really sure about Austin Riley if you're going to move Camargo for him. Like if you if you're if you want to move Camargo for a, a different reason like if you want to have Camargo be the super sub that we talked about forever that's totally cool but if you I, I can't imagine they're going to move a guy off of a off of a 120 plus um WRC plus for a full season to play Austin Riley at third base every day I just can't imagine that's going to happen I think if they do that for Camargo it's going to be because they sign or trade for somebody at third base it won't be because yes, of Austin yeah. Riley this whole decision is going to be dictated what happens at the winter meetings, and I truly believe that because yeah. the, the big, the, the big, the big names on the market are Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. <laughs> Manny Machado is a guy you could you could move you can move Johan uh, Camargo for. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But like you know, are the Rays legitimately going to make a play for those guys? And like it, you know, Bryce is like Bryce is a corner outfield guy. I mean, he could probably play he can play some center, but you know he's he's going to be in a corner probably. Oh, he, he he needs to play corner. And, and by the way, because you have Ronald Acuna, um, he's he's playing corner in Atlanta if he comes to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough, so, fair enough. Like, yes. um, it's kind of, my point is is like you know if you get a Bryce Harper or if you get a Manny Machado, then like that kind of makes some of your decisions for you, right? Now, right. if you get neither of them, then we kind of you know things can get a little weird, and we have to figure out kind of what we want to do with these guys, especially if they believe in both of these guys. Oh, here's um, a here's one here's one real quick. Who would you rather have play corner? I guess this is a question I got from somebody. I can't remember who it was, so forgive me. Who is a better corner outfield prospect between Camargo and Riley? Who would you rather have play defense in corner outfield? Because oh. Camargo, I think, has a rocket, but he's not very like he's kind of sneaky slow. Like he's not a, he's yeah, not he, a very explosive. <laughs> um, so that's something that I have no idea how he'd play in like corner in like left field. But that's a question I got from somebody that I was like, oh, I actually don't know the answer to that, honestly. <laughs> uh, Riley's never done it, so it's kind of one of those like Riley's been like he was a pitcher in high school, and you know what I mean. Like it's that so it's like, all hypothetical. Default, I know that for sure. And like not, and, Cam- and Camargo is like a super utility guy. Like I could kind of see him being serviceable and left. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put him anywhere else, but you know. And that's where he'd be playing. I mean, obviously, they're yeah. eventually they're going to play. They're going to play Acuna if it, as long as Ender's on the roster. They're gonna, eventually going to move Acuna to right field. I can't imagine he's going to be playing left field his entire career. That would be insane. Um, so 
he'll either be playing center or right long term, I would imagine. So that kind of makes that decision for you. But I, I thought it was at least interesting to consider, like, in a world where the Braves don't get anybody that either plays third base or corner outfield, maybe you have to decide, like, you want to move one of these guys to corner outfield. And I can't imagine that's, like, priority number one, but maybe it becomes that later on in, like, February. Especially know. like if they don't acquire anybody, then there's like there's also like the Charlie Col- Charlie Colberson problem, which and I Marquecas. think he's, a, he's, in, like, he's in the rule. He's in the rule. He's in the he is in the role that I think he needs to be in, which is you know yes gets a decent amount of a bat firmly, perfor- and performs very well in that duty. I don't I still don't think he's an everyday guy, but like I will not. He's not. Yeah, well, but I'm not going to question what he's done this year, which is like defied every expectation that. I, oh that yeah, I mean he anyone both, with a a, yeah, a reasonable. I, what outlook on the world would expect which is no great one could I mean, have said that yeah you know and it's it's funny because you know now like the braves actually have like two guys who i would really like as like utility guys uh with who i would prefer to get varying you know varying degrees of playing time uh which kind of makes you know some of these roster decisions kind of interesting and kind of either prioritizes or deprioritizes other moves and you know how to use money and resources in this offseason it this is gonna be fascinating for me because it's like there's they have so much young pitching if they go out and get a starting pitcher that means like that there's a likelihood that they're going to use a lot of this starting pitching depth to like go and get somebody they've been showcasing a lot of guys in, at the major league level this year there's a lot of guys who are really close to i mean the, you know however the season ends and it seems like it's going to be ending even if the Braves don't make the playoffs, this was like an improbable season for what, what for for the Braves, and this off season is going to be fascinating because there's a lot of things that could happen. It could go in a lot of different directions, and it's going to be like one domino, and then you, we'll kind of it'll be this chain reaction of moves, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no question. I, don't want, I mean, this is just sort of a fun hypothetical that I wanted to at least address because we got we got the question so many times, and it's a good problem. I mean, Camargo has been so good. Yep. And I was very wrong about Camargo, at least for sure this year. I never thought that he had this in him. And he, I mean, again, if you assume this is the real player, he's a starting level player. Um, we'll see if that happens again. But listen, I mean, all you can assume now is that he's done it. He's done. He's not done it once for but basically a full season as, as a starting third baseman every day, and he's been great. So there you go on that. And uh, Riley, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is more of an off-season topic. I just want to at least get it out there because we got it so many times in the mailbag that I feel like we had to answer it. But it's it's one that we'll that we'll almost certainly address again, um, probably in November through February somewhere. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one to answer right now, is because there's so many moving parts. That's kind of my only problem with it right now. It's just I'm, I I don't have I, I don't feel like I have a lot enough to go on. But I mean, I fully understand that Camargo has made this an interesting problem because he has been quite good. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I was very wrong about Camargo. So, shouts to him for making me look silly. Um, I'm, I will, I'm always appreciative of that. If, if, I, if I'm going to look silly, I, I want to look silly being too negative, not too positive. So, uh, shouts to Camargo for making me look silly in the best possible way. So, there's that. Uh, all right, Eric. Anything else you want to get out there, um, please do. But uh, other than that, I think we're wrapped. Uh, plug your stuff and do all that you uh, normally do. Well, I mean, the minor league season's over, so it's kind of it like, is. Uh, like I, usually this time, like I get off the podcast with you, and I have to start writing the minor league recap, and I like I literally was like thinking halfway through the show, and I'm like, oh, I don't have a recap to write. Oh, okay. Um, so, a uh, little little bit of a break for us in terms of like you know like the the daily grind on the minor league side. Um, so, I mean, you know, keep an eye out for you know like winter meetings coverage and you know the prospect list that's going to come out in the off season. We're going to be doing lots of coverage on talking chop as well as over on MLB daily dishes, the other side I run, uh, you know, doing a lot of the playoff stuff and, you know, looking, looking over kind of what's going to be going on down the stretch. Um, beyond that, I mean, 
Ronald Acuna is really good at baseball, and it's kind of ridiculous kind of what he does every day. He seems like he does something else that blows my mind. And, you know, he, he's going to be a very, 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 very good baseball player for a long time. And I'm not sure. What, I mean, what else can you say about the kid? He's awesome. Yeah, well said. Uh, he's an absolute monster. And we know that, which is uh, fun to consider for the future. And having that guy around makes everything a little bit more fun. So, Yeah, he's right, super well, fun uh, to watch, too. He's, a lot, he's yeah. really funny. Uh, yeah, fun to watch is an understatement for Ronald Acuna. There's a couple of guys on this roster who are just really exciting to consume on a daily basis, and he's one of them, to be sure. All right, man. Well, thank you, as always, for doing double duty two weeks in a row. Uh, everybody got their fix of Eric. Um, and uh, we'll have you again very, 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 very soon, as we always do, because you're, you're willing and we have fun, and we always go longer than I think. Uh, we, as we were talking, I, I cut two things, and we're still at 55 minutes, because that's what you and I do. We talk a lot, which is fun. I just like talking baseball with you, man. It's just it's a lot of fun. It's, fun. it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun because I mean, like I, I've been coming on the show. I mean, all, all throughout this entire you know you know regularity and like it's kind of like once you get into September, it's kind of like so. Um, what do you think about next year? Because the team's really bad right now, and we're like prospect, talking prospect about, like, review time. In September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about let's talk about how the prospects did. And I mean, and there's plenty of really fun ball prospect things to talk about, and that's great, but. Uh, now it's more of like you know, kind of what's going to be happening over this next month with the major league club. You know, what 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 what's going on with these September call-ups because they're going to be pitching in important games and like that's that's been a lot of fun for me and like I haven't I'm taking I'm really enjoying this last month of the major league season just because you know for again I'm I don't I think the Braves are going to make the playoffs I think the, all the odds are correct that it's very likely that they're going to make the playoffs but I am also very cognizant of the fact that regardless of whether or not they make the playoffs, what this team has done this year has been so improbable based on what everyone was thinking and what was going to happen that, you know, I'm, I am enjoying that and I don't, I haven't lost sight of that. So it's been a lot of fun. Well said my friend. Uh, and we'll keep talking about it. And, uh, hopefully, you know, the plan is to do like almost daily podcasts when the playoffs arrive, if they actually arrive, at least as long as the Braves are in them. So plan on that. Um, you'll be hearing uh, a lot yeah. from us in October. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I'll be around. I'm sure Scott will be around, and you know, Scott will be, you know, varying degrees of very excited or very upset, depending on how those games go. Yeah, uh, shouts to Scott for getting us in trouble this week, and that's kind of all I'll say about that. It's funny, but uh, I love I love oh, Scott. That's my guy. Oh, Scott. Scott, and Scott attended the games and uh, at least a couple of games in Arizona. So we'll talk about that uh, hopefully in the next week, week or two with him and see if he if he unearthed anything locally because he was in the building for a couple of those wins, uh, fun wins this weekend. So. Catch up with him very, very soon. All right, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars and feedback and reviews. And tell your friends. If you have Braves fan friends that are not listening to the podcast, let's rectify that. Get them on board, and uh, we'll see everybody next week.